The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Several years ago, we were in Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg. It's an interesting place to go to. But where they held the public assemblies a couple hundred years ago, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and all these people there, they have people that are enacting and become who these people were, our forefathers. They eat, drink, and think, these people, and know their personality, speak in the style the way they are, and you go around and you can talk to them, whether it may be a wheelwright, whether it's making wagon wheels, a slave. All of them speak in the context, not beyond 1776 or 78, somewhere in that period of time. We were in the assembly building where, I think it was Thomas Jefferson was in there, the guy who portrayed him. That was his occupation. That's what he did. And he even had his thought process like Jefferson. And so there were assembled us who were there with a bunch of other people. And one person asked a question to him about President Clinton because of all the things he had been doing and lies and just the bad presidency. And they asked about him about 
certain policies. And Jefferson said, I don't know who you're talking about. And people chuckled at first. And then he pressed again. Well, the, you know, our president, he says, no, I don't, you can ask me anything now. This is the 1778. And so he couldn't answer that. He said, but what I will tell you is you get the leader of who you are. And that struck me like thunder. That what we are is the leaders we get. If we're degraded, we get a degraded leader. And so this is a sign of the church. Christianity has not failed us. We have failed Christianity. We haven't lived and professed our life and our witness, but only in words and tokenism. So we no longer know God. And that goes all the way to the leaders, our shepherds, our bishops, in the same way. We're not being led. We're not being fed. In fact, the bishops of Germany, George Weigel had wrote an article about how the crisis of the faith, the Catholic faith is in Germany, but it's like this here too. Of course, their churches are empty, but it's what I've spoken about theological things before. We've got too much in theology, too much lofty things. The Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, questioning those who are proponents to fight for marriage in such a judicial theological way, it was sickening. Things just to hear themselves, to philosophize. Wiggle says, to make a very long story short, they, talking about the bishops and the cardinals, had often been speaking about speaking about God. So in other words, he's saying, we're not just speaking about God, we're talking about how we're going to speak about God to people. So we distance ourselves from it, distance ourselves from God, and instead of speaking about God, we start teaching about speaking about how to speak about God. So he says, speaking about speaking about God, that is, they had been chasing the tails and trying to respond to the crisis of belief in late modernity. And in doing so, they gotten stuck inside the Polish philosopher Chudy, an intellectual great-grandson of John Paul II, called the post-Canatan, trap of reflection, thinking about thinking about thinking. And this is where we are. We're thinking about thinking about thinking. Rather than thinking about reality, in this case, the gospel and its truths. Less eloquently, he writes, I describe Trudy's trap of reflection as the quicksand pit of subjectivism becomes self-assortion from which it's hard to extract oneself and answer the master's call of come follow me. And so we have this crisis, this high fine theology about theology, about theology, about theology, thinking about thinking about thinking. And we're so distanced, nobody's converting in Germany. The church has grown cold. Yes, we have more conversion in America and other places. But you can root all this back to Medjugorje. It's what I was teaching. This woman, this Virgin Mary, who was with Christ, is theology. You're not to go beyond those bounds of what she's talking about. As her apostles say, simple, she says. How come we're coming back with baskets harvested of conversion? Not only ourselves, but others we witness to. And they're not. 
something's gravely wrong. Something's gravely wrong when we got a vice president of the United States comes out and says that the Bible is pushing forth religious persecution against abominable lifestyles. The vice president, Joe Biden, our Catholic, has put himself contrary to the Bible, contrary to his faith, striking out against Catholicism, and his bishop, and I'm going to say it in Washington and also in his home place, which I think is Delaware, both, at least one, to say, I'm going to hold a press conference and denounce his actions that the vice president, a Catholic, who I have jurisdiction over, is going to be excommunicated officially because he's excommunicated himself. Where is your bishop? Those of you who live in the diocese of Joe Biden. We're not led. We're thinking about thinking about thinking. And we don't do anything. Because the thinking is, just let things happen. You know how we're getting ready for the persecution? Is what we're hearing from religion is going to come? We can fight this. This is absurd. You don't think we should be going to the U.S. Supreme Court fighting what they're going to do in June by saying you pass judgment in favor of this abomination, a perverted marriage, or it's not marriage, they can't be married, of this perversion of people together, then you're passing judgment on Almighty God. And we're going to send you a warning. Nobody passes judgment on God without judgment of God being passed on to them. It's you who say it to the Pharaoh. Moses said, and he gave the edict. On the night of Passover, the angel of death came and killed the firstborn. Pharaoh's son died. The U.S. Supreme Court will die. Its authority will die. It will go away. You, this is such a blatant attack on the sovereignty only afforded to God, scripturally, that they're going against the vice president with us. And where are your bishops? Where are they? It's disgusting. It's not only disgusting, it's disturbing. In Zerach it says, The Lord created, Zerach 17, The Lord created man out of earth and turned him back to it again. He gave to him a few days and limited time, but granted him authority over things of the earth. He endowed them with strength like his own and made them in his own image. He placed the fear of them in all living beings and granted them dominion over beasts and birds. He made for them tongue and eyes. He gave them ears and a mind of thinking. He filled them with knowledge and understanding and showed them good and evil. He set his eyes upon their hearts to show them the majesty of his works. And they will praise his holy name to proclaim the grandeur of his works. He bestowed knowledge upon them, allotted to them the law of life. We have the law. We know it. It's written in our hearts. We're not excused if we go along, tolerate, or accept what the U.S. Supreme Court wants to do. And everything else that's crossing the lines throughout the world, that we not dare do that. He established with them an eternal covenant 
and showed them his judgment. Their eyes saw his glorious majesty, and their ears heard the glory of his voice. And he said to them, Beware of all unrighteousness. Did you hear that? Beware of all unrighteousness. What we see happening right now is unrighteous. And he says, beware. When somebody says, beware, the bears or the grizzlies out in the woods, you better realize there's a danger there. And the legislation, judicial and executive, reversing of supreme law, divine law, you better beware that something's going to happen because of this. Sarah goes on. And he gave commandments to each of them concerning the neighbor. Their ways are always before him. They will not be hid from his eyes. He appointed a ruler over every nation, but Israel is the Lord's own portion. The world belongs to God. Israel is expanded across the world. It's not just in the confines of that. Christianity did that to the Gentiles. And where are we? We're passing judgment on the Almighty right now? And you think he's not going to pass judgment on us, our court, as he did with Israel? When they worshiped the idols and they turned against his ways and went wicked? Jesus Christ came to abolish abominable perversion and all of the sins. And you're telling me man can say it's okay? But that's not the only problem. We have so many lines we're crossing. So many different directions we're trespassing on domains that we should never enter into. From our food chains to the economics to the way we want to set up the family to the way we set up political, the currencies, everything is under judgment. Do you think we got Obamacare because something evil just came over a bunch of good righteous people and a righteous profession? No, there's corruption in the medical things. You don't get this kind of thing happening. No more than what Jefferson said, the portrayer of Jefferson in Williamsburg said, you get what you are, that the medical field has gotten corrupt. And a judgment was passed on it. God withdrew, and Satan takes it over. We gave that. We, we wanted to what we were living, even in the medical fields, what we've inherited with Obamacare. Nobody can see this because they're not praying. Our leaders can't see it because they're not leading. But out of the Virgin Mary, thank God she's here. She shows you these things with clarity. We can see. You can understand, just like it said in Sarah. I gave you eyes to see, and I gave you a mind to think. And nobody's thinking, rather thinking about thinking about thinking. And so we're too complex. Through our history, when things got complex, only one thing could correct it, a complete, total crash. Those who remained, the remnant afterwards, rebuilt. It's the sin, suffering, salvation. You sin, you suffer for it, and then you gain salvation. Salvation is dangerous to be into because everything starts going your way. You're blessed. Your grain bins are filled. You prosper. Then you grow lax, and then you sin. And sin becomes degraded to a point where you've got to suffer for it. And that's the collapse, which everything is built back upon. It's the three S's. That's what I've said also. You're either in a storm, one's coming at you, or you're in the sunshine. And so we go through these phases, but we're in a phase 
not unequal compared to Noah and the ark. Life is about to change. And when you cross certain lines that you think you can play God, there's but only one way to fix it. Just like he did with the Tower of Babel, he had to regress the advances of civilization because they thought they'd build a tower to God. And now we're going to do it with a food chain. This comes from an article in Washington Post entitled, This is the Future of Meat. Meat, despite popular movements to decrease the amount humans consume, is still a central part of diets around the world. People who live in industrial countries like the United States eat roughly 210 pounds of it each year. And consumption in the developing world, where people eat closer to 66 pounds each year, is climbing fast. Growth is such that by 2030, the average human is expected to consume just under 100 pounds per year, 10% more than today. Our collective affinity for meat likely began out of circumstance. Humans that lived inland from the coast had little choice but to hunt in order to live, and has persisted for evolutionary reasons. Meat carries nutrients like zinc and protein, promotes growth, and provides energy. It also doesn't hurt that the price of meat has fallen dramatically. But the reality is that there are several downsides to society's growing appetite for meat. Cheap meat, for one, might leave consumers with extra cash, but it has largely come at the expense of animal welfare. It also isn't great for the planet, which the U.S. government recently noted. Meat is undoubtedly an environmentally expensive food, Vaclav Smil wrote in his 2013 book, Should We Eat Meat? But what if there were a way to produce meat that would avail us of the need to slaughter animals? What if we could continue to order hamburgers without also feeding the livestock industry as much as a third of the world's grain production? And what if it could be done for a reasonable price? Professor Mark Post, who is part of the faculty at Maastricht University in the Netherlands, has been asking that question for almost a decade now. Two years ago, Post's team of researchers presented their first major discovery in the form of a five-ounce hamburger patty, which was created in a lab, but still was remarkably similar to one sold on supermarket shelves. The reception was promising. The media was a buzz, and the BBC made several food critics try it, one of whom conceded, This is meat to me. It's not falling apart. Now, Post is working to overcome some of lab-grown meat's biggest obstacles, including its price, and he believes it's only a short matter of time before he succeeds. It was $350,000 when we first publicized the patty, said Post. At this point, we've already managed to cut the cost by almost 80%. I don't think it will be long before we hit our goal of $65 to $70 per kilo. That would drop the 5-ounce burger to below $10, a number that Post hopes will eventually drop even further. To understand how it's possible to grow a hamburger that is made of actual animal tissue rather than a protein substitute, you need to understand a bit about how muscle tissue works. 
When muscle tissue is damaged, the body repairs the injured tissue by calling on a specific type of stem cell called a myosatellite cell. Myosatellite cells can take, be taken from an animal without causing it harm. They also can reproduce fairly quickly, and they tend to form muscle fibers when they do. These characteristics, it turns out, are very useful for someone trying to replicate the process by which muscle forms naturally. The thing is, you can take those cells and then let them replicate as they would in the case of injury inside the body of a cow, Post said, and you can help them form muscle tissue again. The process is hardly straightforward. Rather, it involves carefully extricating the cells, allowing them to multiply, and then coercing them into differentiating. Once the cells have differentiated, which is a fancy term for the process in which cells change to assume different responsibilities, they combine into muscle fibers, at which point protein forms. The results are these little strips of tissue, Post said. It's the same tissue grown by cells inside of the body, except we grow them outside of it. It takes about 20,000 of them to make the burger publicized in 2013. Perhaps the single largest reason why initial publicity around post-futuristic hamburger was met with such reluctance is that it was less affordable than most houses in the world. Obviously, this is all still being done on a small scale in an academic environment, Post said. That's why it costs so much. Once we scale up, it will be a different story. Post expects to be able to produce the patties on a large enough scale to sell them for under $10 a piece in a matter of five years. Once we can grow the tissue in a reactor the size of an Olympic swimming pool, we should be able to achieve that sort of volume, Post said. For perspective, half a swimming pool would allow us to feed about 20,000 people for a year. Irrespective of how much meat Post manages to produce, and how cheap it becomes as a result, there remains the question of whether society will ever actually warm up to the idea of eating lab-grown beef. Skepticism runs rampant enough that schmeat, which refers to the sort of synthetic meat Post had created, was a runner-up for Oxford Dictionary's Word of the Year in 2013, and the moniker, Frankenmeat, has frequently been invoked. But Post is confident that the benefits of cultured meat will eventually coerce people to give it a try. What people need to realize is that it will have a positive effect on many things, including animal welfare, because we would need to slaughter fewer animals, our efficiency with certain resources, and the environment, he said. Cultured meat, according to a 2011 study, has significantly smaller carbon footprint than regular beef, pork, and even poultry production. It also requires far less land and water than all three. The last thing we have to do is boost protein production beyond where we're at, Post said. Normally, protein forms through exercise, as it is in real life with a cow. But you can also do it through electricity and other ways. We're very close to a sustainable process. How exactly will it work? That's a bit of a secret. I would elaborate, but these methods are soon going to be patented, Post said. We actually have already done it, just not on a large scale. 
is going to be really important for improving the meat's nutrition and taste. We abuse the healthcare system, we receive judgment and lose the healthcare. We allow divorce to propagate itself, normalize it, and abominals are defining marriage now through a judgment against it. We're being guided with the food chain and we receive a judgment of hunger. Does this not shake you? Does this not put fear in you? Cyrex said, He placed the fear of them in all living beings and granted them dominion over beasts and birds. This doesn't mean without limitations. It says later, Beware of all unrighteousness. You think it's righteous to do that when in Genesis it talks about God gave the cattle to make meat growing at the size of a block of an Olympic swimming pool? When I read that this morning, it frightens me. It frightens me in front of God who we think we are, that we are unabashed. We have no limitations of those things that we should never go into other domains that does not belong to man. Yes, we're given dominion, but not to do that. It's for profit. It's for greed. This greed is taking us to a certain point that we think we can eat something like that and not health repercussions or our whole food chain collapse. I'll tell you, we keep going down this path. Our food chains, it's already under judgment. The GMOs and everything's happening. This is just one more thing that just like we've been under judgment because of divorce and now we see the abomination of the destruction of marriage with efforts to redefine it, that we've been on the same path, but we're not yet experiencing the hunger as a result. Maybe the cancers. How did they make and trick these cells to propagate as if the wound is being healed that they can stop that or through nutrition it doesn't give you cancer? Who knows? I don't know how that crosses or how it could, but I, one thing I do know is God is not in favor of this. Anybody is prayerful, anybody that's thoughtful, knows that. Basically, last week's show, about Satan's Eucharist been spread to hundreds of millions of people through the vaccines of aborted babies, all the way from 64, the, the cells have been growing just like the same thing. Where do we stop? Where does it stop? The only way it can stop is when everything can't be fixed by man, that God intervenes. And that's through purification. Purification brings a dismantling of everything that exists. And it's why Yvonne said, there'll be physical changes across the whole world, and you'll know why age come every day. So you've seen experiments where they electrodes on you, and they put a shock and they make your arm move. So can you imagine an Olympic swimming pool full of meat that's grown, that's exercised through electrical current, and the thing moves like its own life. That's what they're talking about when they say electrical shock. If this doesn't bother you, then you're not praying. If you're not troubled by these things, you're as naive as can be. We're headed for crash. We're headed for disaster. And the only way to avoid that, in the parallel of what Jesus said, don't worry about when you're hauled before assemblies, I'll give you what to say. They won't harm a hair on your head, even if they kill you. So I say it in that context. It's not that disasters coming won't affect us or we'd be harmed or even martyred by it. But you want to be out of the system that propagates these things. 
We just had two Supreme Court justices this past week in Kalen and Ginsburg officiate a wedding of abomination. This is illegal and nobody's saying anything about it. They cannot do that. They have to recluse themselves. Judge Roy Moore, just speaking out against this on the Alabama Supreme Court, reclused himself just because he's publicly known that he's opposed to it. These two justices on the U.S. Supreme Court presided over a wedding. What a lie and how stupid we are as Christians. And we're going to do what some bishops are saying. Get ready for the persecution. No, we have an opportunity right now to pour out into the streets. The Crusades were not a bad thing. Everybody I'm reading about on the Crusades are completely ignorant that we had the same thing with ISIS. We have savage behavior that they had taken over the Holy Lands. They went there when they saw it being destroyed. Well, I just read this morning that half of Syria is taken over ISIS. I couldn't believe that. I didn't know it had gotten that far. And you know what they said? They're putting out in the news that they're really near some ancient ruins that are invaluable. Why? Because they know they'll tear these things up. You'd think a boat carrying Muslims and Christians and 12 Christians pray to Jesus and the Muslims throw them off the boat and drown them just recently, just because they're praying, that the Muslims during the crusade times in the Holy Lands at the Mount of Crucifixion at the Garden of Gethsemane, that they were just okay with all that. The Crusades was a result of going to save that. It was a just thing. But everybody on our side keeps apologizing. Well, you know, we, we can't apologize for everything Christians did in the past. It was a noble thing. I think it was St. Louis, King Louis, who fought in the Crusades. He's a saint. So he's either the devil by history and what we're saying and what we believe. Go read about the Crusades. It was a noble feat. In the military, in World War II, there were things, some of the things our soldiers did wasn't proper. That's part of war. But the nobleness of what we went to war for and what we tried to stop is a good thing. The Crusades were a good thing. I'm sick of hearing Christians say, well, yeah, we, we can't look back at the past. We got to look at what's happening now. Well, if you want to look at the past, look at ISIS now and look at back during the Crusades. They had to act. We're so dumbed down, we don't look at history, and we got such poor leadership in the church now that their reaction, their answer to all this is get ready for the persecution. We don't have to do that. Our lady says, be ready. Our lady says, fight evil. I'll add to that while we have a chance. What you've done and what you've written to the Alabama Supreme Court has made a great impact. We need to now be writing to the U.S. Supreme Court and said, beware of your unrighteous deeds you're about to do. You better turn this back over to the states. You better leave it alone because you will undo your authority. You will lose it. This is the final act. And two of you shouldn't even be voting. You need to be writing very strongly because they're giving a judgment at the end of June. And if they give that judgment, they plan to do, they want to do, they're trying to do, and they're pressured to do, that's the final judgment that comes against us. There's no returning back. There's no correction. There's no way on our knees and say, oh, forgive us. Change things around like Nineveh. Because there comes a point that you cross a line. Olympic poo-sized chunk of meat. And you said, God blesses that. And the economic system also 
is under judgment. You've heard a friend of Medjugorje speak about this so many times before. Part of the reason why we see so many of the things that are happening is because the whole system is under judgment, and of course that a lot of that is covered, and it ain't going to happen. For those of you that would like to be in touch with Frank, with Global Silver Investors, for the purposes of helping to get out of an unjust system into a system that is more just through the miraculous metal Medjugorje round, you can reach him toll-free at 877-936-7686. Again, that's 877-936-7686. His email address is globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. That's globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And the website is globalsilverinvestors.com. So Sarah says, 17, beware of all unrighteousness because this is a disaster. It's off the cliff. Sirach continued for call repentance. Turn to the Lord and forsake your sins. Pray in the presence and lessen your offenses. Return to the Most High and turn away from iniquity. And hate abominations intensely. We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomic show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.